everybody. How's it going? Welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. It's me, Katie, again, and with me, as always, is... Hey guys, what's going on? That is me. It's Jason. So we um, have had a long weekend here <laughs> at the uh, Central Studios, or Southern Studios? What are we? I think technically it's the only studio now. Oh, at the Soul, the soul Studio. <laughs> Of the board game mechanics. I mean, I feel like I can't say that because there's so many people that contribute to the board game mechanics from our riveted community from all over the place. So, yeah, that's true. We'll, we'll be the central hub. Yeah, th- that's right. fine. So, yeah, we had a, a long weekend. Kids are off school. There was a snow day on top of a four day weekend. Um, our youngest daughter turned six, and we had like 30 people in our house for a birthday party. Eight or nine of which were little girls. Yay, that was fun. <laughs> Lots of high-pitched screaming. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> if yeah. we seem a little spacey, that's why we're still recovering. <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. That that whole uh, inviting friends over for a birthday party thing may be reconsidered next year. Just because you don't have friends doesn't mean that we can stop our kids from having friends. We can try. You could try. I'm not going to let it happen. <laughs> All right. I can try. Right. I mean, just look. History is being made. Our daughter invited one of her friends that she rides the bus with. And that friend's mom, who came with her to the party, I used to ride the bus with when I was my daughter's age. So it's like, I don't know, the circle of life. I thought it was a beautiful thing. Hi-ya, hi-ya. <laughs> we're watching The Lion King now. You're so funny. Who told you you were funny? <laughs> Certainly wasn't me. Yeah, you didn't have to. I could see it in your eyes. You can't see me. Yeah, that's true. All right, so I'm going to talk about news today because I spent so much time going through Kickstarter, looking for so many games. Uh, that- I'm only going to let you talk about one <laughs> item. And it's the only item you know anything about. And I've actually put notes on it, so... That's not true. I, you didn't need to put the notes. I know this game. Okay. But, uh, the, yeah, I want to talk about one, and then Katie will take over from there. And the one I want to talk about is something that we've mentioned before on the podcast in the Games Played section. And I actually did a preview video for this for the Kickstarter, and the game is called Garinto from Grand Gamers Guild. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the game, and then I'll tell you how much it costs and how many days are left. So this is kind of an abstract game with the um, elements theme. So like Earth, Fire, Wind, Water. Should be Heart, but that's Captain Planet. But it's the Void instead of Heart. And what you're doing is you're moving these elements onto the board. Based on the element that you pick from the side to put it on the board, it's going to let you gather different elements on the board in certain patterns. So it may let you do the corners. It may let you dig down in the stack below them and collect some tiles and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get certain numbers of different elements because there's some in-game points for a couple of the elements and you're trying to hit some in-round goals where you may have to have the tallest stack of a certain color or so on and so forth if you like abstract games and that sounds interesting to you then you need to go to kickstarter now there's 12 days left and it's 35 dollars and it's i think it'll be well worth the 35 dollars because it is a fun game i really like it um, I only played it too, but I think that's where you should play it. So Garinto, Grand Gamers Guild, Kickstarter, go check it out. Right. I agree. I don't even like abstract games and I like this game. And I think with what they're talking about production quality, 
35 bucks is pretty good. So yeah, check out Jason's preview of that on our YouTube channel. The production has like Scrabble upwards tiles for the elements, which is pretty neat. It looks good. All right. Um, the next item of news was brought to you by a member of the Riveted Gentry, Sir Mike Bacorny himself, who I'm so thankful for keeping me in the news. And this is a game called Bivouac. And if you know anything about the origin of words, you know Bivouac has to do with camping. And so in this game, which it looks really cool, it's by um, Sly Games, I believe. Does that sound right? Yeah, Sly Game Design. So this is like the first creation there here out of Michigan. So we're just our neighbors to the north there. Um, but you are creating a camp and um, you're you're getting like activities for your camp, like um, ropes courses or, you know, like the, that big ball thing you jump into in a lake or something. And you can get like amenities for them, like certain types of cabins and fire pits. And so you're just trying to build up a great camp over like the source of 12 months, like the span of 12 months in a year. And I think you replay like it's actually 13 rounds. Um, so there's worker, worker placement and you're kind of building this camp and, um, you know, bad things can happen like floods and stuff and you're losing resources. It's got these really cute like shaped meeples, these little camping tent meeples, um, little resources. And it's what's really cool is they actually are including an expansion if you buy the base game where it's called re- like retreat center. And so then you can build like higher upgrades like activities and you can hire staff members to come and work at your camp so it looks really fun i love that this is a unique theme um there's 23 days left on the kickstarter so definitely go check this out it's 49 dollars to get the base game which also includes the expansion um and it like it's it still has a lot of time left but i really love to see this one funded I'm like, they have no idea who I am, but I'm just super interested in this game because I love that they're using a new a new type of theme, and that is Bivouac. Yeah, it sounds pretty neat. I'll need to check this out because you were telling me about it before we started recording, and I didn't look at it. But, I mean, camping is a pretty neat theme, so, yeah, I'll check it out. Well, and, like, camp is a big part of our life. Like, not like not like going camping, like a camp. A camp. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the next game is also a really unique theme, and it's called Cinder. C-I-N-D-R, which is like a wordplay on Tinder. And that really is the theme of this game, which is hilarious. Like, it's kind of this tongue-in-cheek parody type game where you make your own little profile. And there's like a few questions that you answer about your character, what they're into. And then you have cards you go through to find like your dragon match. And you can swipe left or swipe right, whatever. Pick one that you want. And then you will look at their attributes after you pick your match and see how many of those align and as many of those align you get like better dice and so it's essentially a push your luck game so then you'll go on a date with this dragon and then you'll have to roll the dice at three different like um steps in in the uh date and if you match you get um dice that have more hearts on them and if you don't match they have higher like flame size so at any if you ever get i think in total three flames you get burned and you lose all your points so it's like a push your luck game about dating dragons like it's so ridiculous and silly but it looks fun there's 13 days left on that um it's 25 bucks i i think it sounds like a good time like i kind of want to back this and they still have a ways to go to their goal 
Um, they're almost about halfway, which is cool, but I, I think it would be like a fun little game and a way to get people into playing a game, you know, that they're not, that don't play games. And this is a push your luck game. So what's better than that? Oh yeah. This is definitely one now that I do, now I do want to back it because I love push your luck and that team is hilarious. I know, right? So that's Cinder, 13 days left on Kickstarter, 25 bucks. And last, but at least for only Jason, is a pretty popular game that is coming out from Simon. I refuse to call it Come On. It's not going to happen. Because it's stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> so it's dumb. dumb. Just, it's, what's wrong with going with Simon? Okay, come on now. Yeah, it's dumb. Boy. So, Simon game called Marvel United. And Marvel United, it is uh, obviously about Marvel characters and they're united. So, you can guess it's a cooperative game where you are working together as Marvel characters to fight Marvel baddies, the villains. Um, it's by Simon. It's an Eric Lang game. They keep calling them these sculptures. Uh, they're miniatures, but they're super cute. They almost have a chibi kind of look to them, but their heads aren't like super fat. They just have like a kind of almost more anime childlike look to them. And they're so adorable. They come unpainted, but I'm, uh, you know, all you mini painters out there would love to paint these because they're the cute Marvel characters. Um, and there's a lot of different things going on in the gameplay. It looks like it's pretty involved. And they have also an expansion, I think even with the Kickstarter that you could potentially get involved with um, that brings um, Thanos in and you're trying to keep the, the children of Thanos from getting all the infinity stones. So, and they've got these exclusive minis. Yeah. The infinity gauntlet expansion. So that's kind of a higher tier. Some of the different minis are higher tiers. Um, Cause I've got some extra ones. It's cute. If you love Marvel, if you love co-op, if you love minis, if you love Eric Lang, this is definitely worth checking out. That is Marvel United. It's got 11 days left. It is like mega funded. I mean, they're at like 864000 of a $150,000 goal. So it's super funded, but it looks interesting. And the base game is 60 bucks, which for a miniatures heavy game, I mean, you don't get the expansion, but that's not bad. I think that with the expansion, it's like a $90 pledge. Um but that's Marvel United. Oh, this sounds awesome. I want to buy two. Paint Wait. those minis up. Oh, man. So good. I actually wish you'd paint the minis up and because I would like to like display them because they're really cute. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. If I painted them, I'd just sit them up on a shelf and admire all that hard work yeah, that I did. Yeah, they're cute. <laughs> I know you're not going to back it. but Nope. Not even going to We like, know pretend. that there are members of the Riveted who like miniature games. I'm looking at you, Tim. That there are. And that's fine. And yeah, we, that's, you know, that's cool. games, they make all different kinds of games so that everybody can enjoy board games. So there's miniature games out there. And that's the news. Let's jump into our gaming glossary. So we've, we've backed off a little bit. We're doing two uh, definitions a week because <laughs> we didn't want to give you two hour episodes all the time. Sorry. We're trying to get better about that. And so today we want to talk about two different types of games and i'm going to talk about trick-taking and a trick-taking game it's like cards or you can also have like tile tile games that are trick-taking where you there's you have a hand and you're playing out of it and generally each round 
Each person plays a card or a tile from their hand. And then you determine by whatever that game has set up as the hierarchy, who takes that trick, trick taking. So trick is one group of all the cards or tiles that are put in by the people playing. And then you happen to get control of that. They go to your stack. They become something you use. There are lots of different ways to then take the, to do stuff with the trick that you have taken. Uh, Games that use trick taking. uh, I live in the Midwest. So Euchre is a game I grew up on, cut my teeth on. The basis of most of my gaming um, background. So I love that. Um, And so lots of games are Euchre style in different ways. Uh, Skull King is in some ways similar to that. There's trick-taking element in that. Fox so in the good. Forest. Also, also so good. trick-taking game. I actually have not played that still. Uh, pretty artwork, though. And then uh, Tricky Tides actually takes that trick-taking game, and it's even in the name. But then you do different things with the trick. You, it's just... Don't don't say too much. It'll, it'll bleed into mine. Okay. <laughs> but so that is trick-taking. I hope I did it justice. It's hard because I, as being an English teacher, you're never supposed to use the word in the definition of the word. So I'm trying not to, but I also want to be as succinct as possible. Right. And to go along with trick taking, I'm going to talk about pick up and deliver. They're not really the same at all, but it's just the other one on the agenda. So pick (laughs) up and deliver. And what this usually consists of is you're going to go to a spot on a map or a board or somewhere, and you're going to pick up a thing, usually a good or a resource or gems or something. And you're going to carry that back with you either on a boat, in your player board, whatever. And you're going to move to a new location to turn those things in to either get points, money, fulfill contracts, so on and so forth. And you're going to keep doing that over and over and over. So you're going to go pick something up and you're going to deliver it. Fairly straightforward. There are a ton of games that do this. And I wrote down five, and I'm going to start off with the last one Katie talked about, and that's Tricky Tides. The first part is trick-taking, and whoever wins that trick is then going to move their boat around to try to go pick up some things from this island to bring it back to their player board and then go go deliver it to another island. So that game's great for both of those things. Um, Another pick-up-and-deliver game is called Black Fleet, and you're just trying to pick up goods from one port, take them to another port to sell them. Basically, the whole game is pick-up-and-deliver with a little bit of attacking. Uh, and I put one on here that's kind of a stretch, and that's Orleans <laughs> Expansion Only. There's a module in there that you can go get some goods around the map, and then if you get to a certain city, you can sell those goods to that city. So that's a form of pick up and deliver, kind of. Why did you pick that? Because there's so many other trick, like pick up and deliver games. Because I wanted to... to talk about I wanted to talk about Orleans. All right. Because I love Orleans. And next is Firefly, basic pick up and deliver in space. You're going to go to a planet. Get a contract, go try to get stuff to fulfill the contract, come back and and fulfill the contract. And then I have My Little Scythe, which I know this is pick up and deliver because we just played it yesterday. And there are two pieces on the board to get a trophy where you have to pick up some gems or some apples and deliver them to the castle. And the the last one is Clank. No. Yes. You're going to go down into the ground. You're going to pick up an artifact or whatever it is. You're going to bring it up above the ground and then you're going to score points. So you're going down below ground, you're picking it up, you're walking back up above ground, and you're delivering it to yourself. So I, I stand by that. No, th- but that's not really the main mechanism of the game. Like It doesn't have to be a main mechanism. It's in the game. I'm just talking about pieces in the game. I Black, Fleet, Black Fleet is the only one that, of these that's like the main mechanism, and Firefly. Have you played Firefly? Yeah, I played Firefly. No, I've never played that, just the dice one. 
Yeah, it's like nine hours long, so I won't probably play that again. But hmm. it was like three hours or something. It was way too long for what it was. But yeah, so that's Pick Up and Deliver. Clank is definitely Pick Up and Deliver. Don't let Katie sway you otherwise. Go check it out. Chinkatere is Pick Up and Deliver. Chinkatere. <laughs> it's a me, you Mario. However you say it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you say it. a lot of really basic Pick Up and Deliver games, and I don't understand but why I haven't, you did not pick them. I haven't played Chinkatere, so I didn't want to talk about that one. Yeah, but... I've played all these. Oh. And we, well, we don't own two of them, but I'm pretty familiar with all of them. Right. Certainly we have more pickup, like straightforward pickup and delivery. I, don't know. You I was looking around before I made the, when I was making the list and I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we play pickup and deliver a decent amount, but maybe we, we do. don't. I just don't think we have a ton. Other people have them and we play theirs. Yeah, I think so. Hansa? I never played it. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Hey, if you didn't like Clank, how about Clank in Space? <laughs> Only because I haven't played it, I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, so Clank in Space is my pick, not Clank. I win. No, I totally disagree. There's no way. There's no <laughs> way. Please. Okay, everybody, delivery. I want you to like write in what is like a, a regular, <laughs> normal thought Clank. when you first think of pick up and deliver games, okay? Because it's, it's not any of the ones that Jason said except for Black Fleet. It's Merchant of Venus, but I haven't played that, so I let it off the list. All right. Let's talk to Member of the Riveted and get away from this mess <laughs> you've got us in. All right. So this week, we had another member of the Riveted call in. And this time, it was he called in all the way from the Great White North. And I'm not going to do a Canadian impression because it would be real bad. So I'll just leave it at that. Take off, eh, you hoser? Yeah, right. And if you don't know where the Great White North is, it's Canada. Just <laughs> just to put that out there. Oh, Canada. So this um, member, his name is Brad, and he's going to tell you about three games that he's been playing. So let's wrap up what we're talking about, and let's hear from Brad. Hello, Jason and Katie. Wow, thanks for having me on the show. My name is Brad and I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hello from the Great White North. Before I get into the games that I've been playing, I'd just like to say, Joel, I miss you, buddy. But I respect your reasons for leaving the show and wish you and yours all the best. Katie, thanks for stepping in and helping Jason with the show. You're a wonderful addition to the podcast and I think you're doing a fantastic job. And with you as always, Jason... Thanks for staying strong, rolling with the punches, and continuing the hard work of a podcaster. All right, so here's what I've been playing. The first game I'd like to talk about is King's Forge from Game Salute. This is a two to four player dice placement game where your dice represent your resources, metal, wood, gems, etc. And they're used to either gather more dice during the gather phase or saved for the crafting round. In the gather phase, you select gather card and use your dice to activate uh, one of its two abilities which usually ends up being more dice or dice manipulation options. Then in the crafting phase, you roll any unused dice left over in an attempt to create an item for the king by rolling the requirements on the craft card. However, this can be stolen in the same round if someone is able to craft it better, so be careful. These items do get progressively harder as the game continues by either requiring higher numbers or harder to obtain dice. And the winner is the first person to successfully craft four items for the king. 
There's also a few expansions which add more excitement to the game. The first one is the Glassworks expansion and it adds a new element, glass, obviously, which works slightly different than the rest of the elements and it adds more craft and gather cards. Second is the Apprentices expansion, which adds apprentices and counterfeit tokens. These are funny. Uh, apprentices can be hired and will give you a special benefit every round, so hire them carefully to fully exploit your strategy. And the counterfeit tokens allow you to create a fake item, but it still counts towards your victory. So cool. And finally, there's a gold expansion, which adds gold dice and several super fun variants to the game. Oh yeah, and even more craft and gather cards. Plus, there's currently a Kickstarter expansion that I'm waiting for, which adds some amazing looking dice and new options for gameplay as well. It's called Masterworks. Go check it out. So that's King's Forge by Game Salute. The second game that I've been playing lots of is Dice Throne from Roxley Games. First, I'd like to give a shout out to Roxley. They're a local Calgary-based company and they put out some amazing games. Brass, Santorini, Steampunk Rally, and, and several more. They're my favorite publisher, and the only bad thing that I can say about them is they keep taking all my money. Okay, Dice Throne. I love this game, and I play it often because it's so accessible. It can be played one versus one, two versus two, a three-player free-for-all, or King of the Hill. The list goes on. I've even played a seven-person King of the Hill, but don't do that. It took like four hours, and the downtime between the turns was a little too much. However, it's easy to pick up as you can just grab a two character or two champion pack and try and see if it's for you and then add from there. There's currently six champions in season one, eight champions in season two, like the Barbarian or a Pyromancer, an Artificer, he gets to build little cool robots, a Huntress, she's got a pet tiger. Yeah, a freaking tiger. I've heard this game referred to as Battle Yahtzee, but there's so much more there. You do get three rolls to try and activate an ability on your character sheet by matching up symbols or numbers from your sweet custom dice. But there's also a custom deck per player that can be used to upgrade your hero's abilities, manipulate dice, or give you other benefits uh, during your turn. You play alternating turns back and forth until one hero is knocked down to zero health. I've played this game more than any other in my collection because a good friend of mine and I have started playing over FaceTime all you need is your own hero board and a friend who won't cheat, at least not on purpose, because I know I've made lots of errors, and even after over 75 plays, we still need to go to the experts sometimes for rules clarifications more than I'd like to admit. My kids have affectionately started calling it Dice Phone. But what I'm really excited about is Dice Throne Adventures. I've got this expansion coming soon from Kickstarter, and it basically takes Dice Throne into the cooperative realm of a dungeon crawl. So I should be able to get all my friends back that I've ticked off playing regular Dice Throne. So that's Dice Throne by Roxley Games. Keep rolling sixes. And lastly, I'd like to chat about Anachrony from Mind Clash Games. I got this as a Christmas gift, and this one surprised me as I'm not usually into space-themed games, but I do love this one. Like I said, it's a space-themed worker placement game for one to four players and it's played over seven uh sorry it's played over four to seven rounds uh depending on when the looming cataclysm occurs the clever part of this is in order to place your workers to get your resources or do actions they need to be in a protective exosuit and these if you get the actual minis look amazing each faction gets their own unique exosuits as well as a unique leader with his own ability and endgame scoring conditions. 
You can then use your resources, your actions to build structures in your tableau, which then can be used without a suit. There's different types of workers, an engineer, a scientist, administrator, or genius, and they all have their own strengths and they need to be placed strategically. I kind of call this a worker placement, worker placement game. It has some other cool mechanics like time travel, basically a loan that you need to pay back or risk creating an anomaly. Also, the workers get tired and they need to be given water, a scarce resource, to be enticed to go back to work. Or you can force them back to work, but you'll lose morale. The winner is the person with the most victory points at the end of the, uh, once the end of the game is triggered. You get these points from anomalies, super projects, time travel, morale, victory point tokens, etc. Now, this is a little bit of a longer game, probably in the two to three hour mark with people that know how to play, so keep that in mind. And once again, I'm getting more content from Kickstarter. This adds a fifth faction and some other cool features like the ability to blink. You basically get a free turn using the same worker as if he was in two places at once, but at the risk of causing glitches again. There's also a new solo mode and some cool upgraded resource tokens. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, I know I've left out a lot of details, but that's an acrony by Mind Clash Games. So that's what I've been playing and looking forward to playing again. Jason, Katie, thanks for so much for letting me ramble on about the games I'm excited about. I've been Brad. Keep gaming. All I have to say is Brad's call was so awesome. And I think that Brad might as well just replace me on the show because he is so great. Brad, you're awesome. You should you should podcast, man. That was so great. And you explained the games so wonderfully and your enthusiasm was fantastic. And you also paid me a lovely compliment. So, of course, I really think you're like the best ever. Um, and f- funny enough, I have not played any of the games you talked about. However, your description of Dice Throne really reminded me a lot of Hero Realms, and so instead of the cards, you have dice. And I've actually been wanting to try Dice Throne, um, but it's not something Jason's into, much like Hero Realms. So (laughs) I don't know if I ever will get to, but um, excellent job on telling us about those games. You're awesome. Yeah, next week I'm just going to let him call in for an hour, and he can just (laughs) say stuff, and then you can just listen to what he's saying and then respond to it. I'll just say, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I'll co-sign that paycheck, Brad. Preach it, brother. <laughs> Keep gaming, everybody. Thanks, and that'll be the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, yeah. His descriptions of games, he definitely didn't Jason's plane. He definitely explained, explained, and made them sound really awesome. Way better than I would ever make them sound. For sure. Hey. What? I'm I'm just, I'm agreeing <laughs> with you. I'm being agreeable. <laughs> All right. So thanks, Brad, for calling in. We appreciate it. We appreciate you listening and being a fan and we'll keep uh chatting with you on the group yeah and if anyone else wants to send us uh, a recording of a little you know three to five minute or so whatever uh recording of the games that you're playing right now we would love it so send it send us an email and drop that little sound bite and we'd love to have you on the podcast yep and the email is contact at bgmechanics.com if you want that you don't have to send me a message to see if you can do it if you have a call just send it and We'll put it on. That's right. All right. Let's talk about the games that we played. And we actually played games like without each other some this weekend. So that was nice. It's true. We did.
I mean, I like to play games with you, but it just happened that we had the opportunity to play with other people. Yeah, I mean, I as a general rule, I play a lot more games with other people more often than you do. Because I'm doing other things. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Don't make it sound like I'm antisocial or something. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just play. I just play a lot more games than you do. As as a general rule, as well. Because I like to expand my mind other ways, or somebody's got to do the dishes and the laundry around here. That's true. Somebody's <laughs> got to play all the games, so I'm trying to do that. Uh, what a sacrifice you're making for us. Thank you, babe. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, so I'll get started. And the first game that I played, I didn't play with Katie. No. Uh, I played with my buddy Brandon and his daughter Lauren. And that's a shout out for you, Lauren. You better listen to this. And don't fall asleep at 830. <laughs> don't fall asleep at 830. I mean, the podcast is out all the time. so she should That's be true. Out. That's true. She could catch it when she's awake <laughs> at like four in the afternoon before yeah. before dinner. Yeah. So the game that I played is called Mechanica. And it's from a little indie studio called Resonim. And essentially the theme of this game is you are a factory and you're producing these cute little like um, Roomba looking robots. But the trick here is the robots are turning evil and they're going to try to kill you in their sleep, in your sleep. So you're trying to fulfill all these contracts like with cute little names. But if you look at the subtext, it talks about how like it's all like deep, dark, like little hidden funny sayings that the robots are trying to do. And I think it's hilarious. So what you're trying to do in this game is you are building these robots. You're trying to ship them or get them on your trucks to either ship them for money or use these robots to fulfill contracts. The trick here is you can upgrade your factory to be able to turn like the low le- level one robots into level two robots. Sometimes you can duplicate robots. Sometimes you can fling robots across your factory to get to the truck faster and you're going to get money because it's flying through the factory and you're a talented guy, I guess. And oh. it, the another thing that I like about this game is the whole board is essentially in the box. So all the pieces have spaces in the box. There's this little gear that turns around. It's the shop that if you don't buy the um, pieces, by the time they get to the end, they get recycled and they fall down into the box and they're out of the game. It's a really cool game. It's kind of like a, it's almost abstracty. I don't want to say that because it's not an abstract game, but it feels abstract because you're putting these little puzzle pieces down and you're trying to build this like process flow to get robots to go into certain trucks and not get backed up and not have robots go to a truck that it can't fit in. So it's a really fun game. It plays in like 40 minutes. It flies by. Really fun. Cool art. Interesting theme. Interesting gameplay. I really dig this. And there's a video on the YouTube channel. You can go check it out. And that is Mechanica. I mean, the theme sounds interesting, but when I looked at it, there's like puzzle pieces. I feel like there was a lot of things that looked like you had to spatially manipulate them. And you know how I, how I feel about that. Yeah, it's, it's actually not, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. Okay. Because there's not really a lot of manipulation. The puzzle pieces can only go in a couple certain ways. The tricky part is figuring out, like, sometimes you'll put forks in your conveyor belts, and it can shift the for- conveyor either up or down. So then you got to figure out, do you want it to keep going straight? Do you want to shift it up? Do you want to shift it down? That's the hardest part of the game, is which truck do you want to try to get the robot into? I mean, I'm willing to give it a go, but I'm not sure if this will be one that I'm... Yeah, you might not like it. I, I don't think you'll hate it, but I don't think it's going to be one you want to play all the time. Hmm. Okay, well, a game that I played, and it, this is an oldie but a goodie, um, and surprisingly, I mean, I played it at five, and no one that I played it with had ever played it before, and that is Mystery of the Abbey. Mystery of the Abbey is like, in my opinion, like a souped-up version of Clue, um, with maybe a little guess who, so you're trying to figure out who in this monastery killed one of the monks, and you separate the killer from the suspect cards and he goes under the board um, and everyone gets certain number of suspect cards. And you've got this big board with 
quite a few monks on it and they have they're in different you know monkin orders i don't know what that's called I don't think that's the word for it, but I don't know what it is. Monastic orders. That's what it is. There are different monastic orders, like the Franciscans, the Templars, and then they each have different attributes, or they're they're at different levels. There's fathers, brothers, and novices, and then they have beards, they don't have beards. They wear their hoods up, they wear their hoods down, and then either they're skinny monks or they're fat monks. And so you're moving around this abbey, try and you're asking other people questions, much like in Clue, where you make like your guesses but when you move into a room with somebody else you have to ask them something and if they answer you then you they can ask you a question in return and the thing is you can ask questions in pretty much any way possible as long as the answer isn't revealing like the name specific name of a monk and so now everyone's privy to that information so then you're gathering information in a different way because there are so many other monks mass happens you know every maybe four rounds or so so you have to go back to central location and kind of start your movements over again you can steal cards from each other there are special cards that allow you to do certain actions and then events happen at every mass that's called, um, which can end up in maybe the killer escaping and nobody wins or you being able to see extra cards. Like it's just if you like clue and deduction, this is just like that next level. And it's it is really fun and it is super out of print now. Sorry, um, just probably the only fiduity I like which is interesting. And I think what Serge Legette, I think it's the other one, other designer, but yeah, um, yeah. it it's such a good game. Have you played Ink and, have you played Ink and Gold? I don't know. Where you're going into the cave, because that's for duty. You're going into the cave trying to get gems, and there's like the fire and you flip and the over snakes. cards, and you can stop yeah. and take the treasure. Yes. That's for duty and Alan Moon. That's a pretty good one. Oh, it's okay. <sighs> I played All it right. one time, but I like Mr. The Abbey way better. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Mr. The Abbey is like a billion times better than Clue because you can score points other ways than just getting it right. So and you feels, can, yeah. Yeah. It feels more like a game. And you can play it up to six players. And even with six, like, yeah, your turn doesn't come around that often. But since when someone moves into a room with you and they ask you a question, you can also ask one in return. And you're, you're hearing information being passed around all the time in everyone's turn. I feel like that really keeps you engaged in the game no matter the player count. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I was going to say, man, you played this at five, but that makes sense that you're always doing something Yeah, most times, so it wouldn't be too bad, I don't think. Yeah, it was really good. That's cool. Yeah, I agree with this. This is a really good game. Not one that, not a type of game that I play a lot, but I do like this one when I play it. All right, so the next game that I want to talk about and the last game I want to talk about for this segment is called Matcha. It's green tea. And this, yeah, about tea, green tea or what? Something. That's what matcha is, green tea. Yeah, yeah. So... This is a two-player only game, and guess what you're trying to do? You're trying to make the best cup of tea. So the way you're going to do that is you're going to be playing cards to these three sets of cards that are out in the middle of the table. So there's three rounds, kind of. There's there's three different sections, and each section has a card on one of two sides. On one side, you have to play the same suit as the card that's face up. The other side, you have to play the same number as the card that's face up. The way you get tea, you're trying to get these little wooden bits that you're going to use as ingredients and to hold your tea. So you're trying to get a bowl, um, a whisk, um, something yellow, the tea leaf, and then a blue tea leaf. So you need a green tea leaf and a blue tea leaf. So the way you're trying to get those leaves is if you can match the color by, you know, and have the highest card of that color and the color area, you're going to get a leaf or an item of that color. If you don't match and someone else also doesn't match, then you're going to get a whisk. 
So the only way to get a whisk is to not either match the color or the number. But the hard thing is if none of you, if both players don't match, no one gets anything. So you're trying to outthink your opponent to try to, you know, think, did they play a card there? Are they bluffing? Or do they really have like that color? Do they really have that number? Or are they just trying to get a whisk? Because they might have three whisk on their board. And if they get four of the same thing, they win. Or if they get one of every, all five ingredients, they win. So you're just trying to kind of get in the people's head. You're going to keep doing that over a series of rounds until someone has won the game. 16 cards, uh, really cute little bits, fun two-player game. I played it three times in a row, so that tells you that I kind of liked it because I normally don't normally play games back-to-back-to-back, and on this one I did. So that was Matcha. Yeah, and we've had this one for a while, and I have never played it. But I liked it because the, the bits looked cute, and it was a cool two-player game. It's really good. I think you actually like this one. Although, you don't like that trying to outthink me thing. I know. I don't understand. You're <laughs> so the most predictable not. person I know. And yet somehow I cannot win those games with you. It makes me crazy. I think you get into your own head. I don't even have to get into your head. You just uh, psych yourself out. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> now I got to play it. <laughs> it's fun. It, it looks nice, at least. Even if you don't like it, it'll look nice. That's true. All right, and the last game I want to talk about is a game that Jason and I played, and he also played with other people. It's called Victorian Masterminds, and there are miniatures in this game, people. And, and Eric these- Lang. And it's Eric Lang. So Jason is going to back to Marvel United. <laughs> he clearly likes Eric Lang and miniatures. I mean, the Godfather, Victorian Masterminds. He's practically yep. an Eric Lang fanboy. That's true. I'm getting there. I bought him a, a mini painting kit just the other day because I saw that he was into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Citadel paints. I love them. <laughs> Victorian Masterminds. It's a fairly, I don't want to say simple game, but a lighter weight game where you are an, playing the part of an evil mastermind and you're trying to build this like earth destroying ship or doomsday device. Doom, okay, Doomsday Device, which are – and they're different kinds. And so you pick them and then you get the – you have to build separate pieces to kind of put this whole thing together. So like these – the pieces fit in puzzly. You do that by taking these different people who work for you and putting them at different locations to gain stuff to build your machine, um, firepower in order to like crush the buildings of the world in part of your evil plan – you know, all these different kinds of things. Um, my daughter helped me play it last time, and she just wanted us to be able to destroy all the pretty buildings because she's like, I want the Eiffel Tower. Let's go to Paris. Let's go to Paris. <laughs> yeah, she wants um, you to go to Paris every single time, which is hilarious. So I spent a lot of time in Paris, um, <laughs> but I only lost by one point. So that's not too bad for, for spending all my time in Paris. That's true. That is but true. I, I, it's, it's a worker placement game for sure. Um and just the way that you can use different player powers is neat. And I've we've only played it two, but I think it would be neat to play at higher player counts because once you get two gears at – is it two gears when you play with higher player counts? Yeah. Uh, no, it's three gears at higher player counts, two at two players. Um, but once you reach like this certain number of workers at – a location that location then fires and you get the benefit from it you get your worker powers and things start to really happen and so i really like to see it at some higher player counts but two was still fun very kind of casual like family weight fun game the artwork is cool i love the miniatures you've got the eiffel tower you've got um uh, the acropolis 
You've got Big Ben. Just really, really neat look. It's I love the look of it for sure. And that's Victorian Masterminds. Yeah, this is a really fun game. I think it might lack a little bit at two. I think it would probably be better at more players, but it's still fun at two. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I would say it's not brain-burning or challenging by any means, but it was still fun. Yeah, it's fun smashing those buildings and having them in front of you and then building your device. It's kind of cool to put those pieces on there and see what you build. Yeah, and they've got like fun little names. Like I was building this like sub- submersible that had like a um, uh, golf course on it. That you had was one part you had to build was a golf course. And I never thought about smashing the buildings because why would I want to smash the Eiffel Tower? I was just like pulling like a Gru and like actually uh, kidnapping the yeah, landmark yeah. to have it on my own collection. Shrink Ray. That's right. I would shrink it and then put it in my little town and have it. Uh, you were collecting. I was smashing. Yeah. Well, I was an, an evil mastermind. I wasn't a collector. That's an evil mastermind. I'm taking your stuff for my own enjoyment. I will take I that national true. treasure to just have it at my house so I'm the only one that can look at it. That's evil. I guess I just didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> of course you didn't. Uh, yeah, I feel like I just should just smash them. So that's how I'm going to keep playing it. Who's the true evil mastermind here? <laughs> what, uh, 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 uh. That's the games that we played. All right. So for our feature on this week's episode, I feel like it's almost a segue from our Valentine's Day show last week where I talked about the games I love and the games that Jason's kind of meh about. And this week, we're going to get an explicit rating. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Okay, we won't. I got the B button ready. <laughs> I might get bleeped. But we're going to talk about what turns us on to a game. So when you're walking around the store, and we do this a lot, we go to our, <laughs> we go to our FLGS and we're walking around and looking at all the shelves and all of a sudden, I see it. Oh, yeah. There's a haze. <laughs> and I see a game on a shelf and I pick it up and I read it. I'm like, ooh, look at this game. It's just calling out to me. And there are these specific things that really will turn me on to a game. And it may be misleading, but there are just a few things that I always fall for every time. Just like in men, long hair, tattoos, and a guitar. I always fall for those. Those are my turn-ons. I only hit one of those three boxes. You had two when we we first met. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You had two out of three. I keep trying. (laughs) I'm working towards three out of three. Yeah, I don't know. I might just stick with one of three. (laughs) (laughs) You're stuck with me, so whatever. But just like those things can also be misleading. (laughs) Um, Sometimes the things that turn us on about a game can be as well. So we each have three things that are like just instant like connection turn ons for us to a game when we see one. So Jace, what's your first one? So I love Italians. Stop! Okay, you made it weird. You made it weird. <laughs> it's Steffenfeld. <laughs> Stop. Poor Steffenfeld. <laughs> so really what my, my first one is, is designer pedigree. So if a game's made by a certain designer being the Italian, so like Gigli, uh, Luciani, um, Brazzini or Tashini, all those guys. I can't even say their names, but so I just call them the Italians. I know they they don't all work together. I get that. I understand. It's just easier to say the Italians. Um, Vital, Uncle Vital. I always like his games, except for maybe On Mars. That one didn't really do it for me. Uh, Feld. He used to. He's a little hit and miss now, but 
And now I'm getting into Marty Wallace. I really like Marty Wallace stuff, and it's something that his games are just something that I want to play whenever I hear about it. And I don't know what that sound was. (laughs) That was me just blowing my out breath because I'm like, Martin Wallace. uh." No, I don't know who Martin Wallace is. It's Marty Wallace. Oh, because you have a thing, a thing going yeah, with Marty. Yeah, because because he turns me on. <laughs> we are getting uh, you. E-rating. I need to bleep. I need to bleep myself. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I I like designers. When whenever I hear about certain designers, it really piques my interest on games. Even if the game doesn't like one of the games you talked about, Fruity Cola or whatever it is. Yeah, particular. doesn't really look like a great game to me, but it's from the Italian, so it has to be good. I mean, it looks so good. It's making jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but it is the Italians. So it, it got my look. So the first one I wanted to talk about designer pedigree. Okay. So my first one, first one of my turn-ons. Oh yeah. <laughs> For board games, my other turn-ons will be the podcast and the podcast, and I've already <laughs> talked about long hair tattoos and. <laughs> guitars um but it is tactile components and so by tactile components i it's for me it's like shaped meatballs or and like big chunky player pieces that just feel good uh, metal coins like oh I'm, I'm getting worked up about it like i love that in a game so when i see one i'm like ooh, what's this game look look what that first player token is like what is that i need to check this out so like even like agricola agricola has all those like shaped animals that you just get to put in the little vegetables and oh man i just love it like i don't even know if i think about it do i even like that game i think i do but what I really like is setting up my little shaped meatballs. Um, in the game Fool's Gold, which I've talked about before, it's just a pressure luck game, cards, um, some worker placement. The first player piece is like a pickaxe for like a miner. Every time I get that piece, I'm always playing with it. I'm like pretending to mine for gold the whole time. Like, I just, I love it. Um, five Tribes. Now, Five Tribes got the classic meatball that you're putting down colors-wise, but those Oasis pieces... And um, what are they called? Like the little like Sultan Tower things? I think they're just castles. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it kind of kills the theme or palace. Maybe it's a palace. Maybe it's a palace. Okay. So like the palace, I always want to, even if it's not part of my actual like game experience. Like I'm trying to like get points. I'm like, yeah, but if I go here, I'll get to place that palm tree thing and i love that thing let me get my camels out i love the camels i just i love that and sometimes those things will will do me wrong much like the bad boy that i'm attracted to they do you wrong like the game rise of tribes it's not a bad game but there's like a like a big woolly mammoth and um there's a volcano there's all these cool like big fat like shaped pieces that I'm like, oh, let's put those out. Like I was so excited about them. And the ones that weren't out playing, I was like playing with them when it wasn't my turn, which is probably why I did terrible at that game because I was playing with these pieces because I just love them so much. Um, But that game, I'm like, yeah, if I never played it again, uh, I'd be okay with it. But man, if I could just get those little <laughs> meatballs out, those little pieces so I could play with them, that's really all I want the game for. 
Um, so that's my first one is tactile components. Yeah, I put parks on here. You don't think parks meets this criteria? Um, I I do like I do like it. Um, like the wildlife tokens for sure. They're just like a little bit smaller, and you don't handle them as much. But it is something that I do love about the game for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if they made a giant version, oh man, <laughs> they were all the size of that mammoth from Rise. Yes, of oh, that would be <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, tactile components. I love them. I love them. Uh, all right, so my next one <laughs> that really gets me going. Stop! Why you gotta make it weird? Because <laughs> this whole segment is weird. I thought it was an interesting. It turn is interesting, but the fact that we called it turn-ons, I don't know. I just feel like I need to play that up. So let me play it up. <laughs> so uh, the next one I want to talk about is press your luck. Um, I just did I did a video recently, and I said basically you could wrap a really terrible game and throw a t- uh, press your luck pulling stuff out of a bag in it, and I'm automatically going to rate it a six. Oh, for sure. Or rolling a dice. <laughs> yes. Like rolling dice just to see like, ooh, <laughs> But I, I could get one more if I rolled some more. Yeah, I love Push Your Luck. I don't know what it is. It just, it could be a terrible game, a simple game, a stupid game. I don't care. It's just fun to me. So a couple examples of these types of games that I have here are Fire in the Library. So good. Which you're, you're pulling cubes out of the bag, which represent books. And you're trying to save books from burning in this burning down library. Uh, if you get too many fire, you bust. So there's where the Push Your Luck comes in. You're trying to get non-red cubes and all that fool's gold which you talked about earlier i actually have on mine you're trying to dig into these piles of cards to get gold and gems and not get soot and bad weather conditions or silt you know. not soot oh no. yeah that makes sense it's you're not, not a chimney. Stuff. That's, right. <laughs> uh, that's funny uh ink and gold which we also mentioned earlier you're going into this cave uh, trying to get gems before too many bad things come out. So you're trying to decide, do you want to keep going or do you want to stop and collect your spoils? Quacks of Quedlinburg, the best push your luck game of all time. Oh, bold uh, statement. It, oh, I, I'll stand by it. You reach in that bag, you pull out some chits, you're trying to put it in your cauldron without exploding or getting too many white chips. Oh, so good. I love it. And then one that I haven't played, but I know I want to play it because it's push your luck and I feel like I would love it. And that's Deep Sea Adventure. You're in this, uh, it's an oink game. You're in this little submarine. You're trying to go down into the depths to get little tokens that have points, and you're trying to bring them back up to the sub before you run out of oxygen. It seems like my type of game, and I need to play it, so I wanted to add it on this list. So, Didn't you play one like that where you're like climbing a Mount Everest and you have to have enough oxygen to keep Oh, going? yeah, I forgot about that. That was, um, what was that? Dicey Peaks. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, good good call. So, yes, I did play one like that. So, Dicey Peaks, I'll add that to this list. You're trying to climb a mountain before you run out of air. To get to the top to capture, kind of find the flag at the peak. Very good game. Very fun. Super light. Not the best game in the world. But, but it it's a pressure luck. luck, so you don't yeah. care. <laughs> so I don't care, yes. I guess So I that's my to, second one. Yeah, I have to thank the Lord that you are such a, a tightwad that you won't go into, like, go into gambling. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, the best pressure luck game is, like, Blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Casino. Casino is the number one in pressure luck. I don't want to play with real money. I just want to play with no stakes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, I like pressure luck, but I'm in it to win it. Uh, my second game oh, turn yeah. on. Stop. It's weird when you do it. So. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's awesome. 
It is weird. It's awkward. I'm glad we're not in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be throwing stuff at you. Like, quit talking weird. So when I see a game that has an immersive theme, and usually I don't get steered wrong on these because I have to play them more to know the theme is really immersive. Um, I love it when all like the actions that you take and the mechanics of the game fit the theme. It just makes it come alive. I love that. It's probably why I love playing D&D so much is that we create this world and when my character takes an action, I it's based on what I think my character would do and they have this whole backstory and their alignment and, you know, maybe a religious component. And I just love that. So um, Jason mentioned Fire in the Library as pressure luck, but you're saving books from burning, which for me, the theme is what drew me into this game because... I love books, so I want to save them. And the idea that your turn order determines like kind of how safe you are from the fire, I feel like it's a really thematic thing because if you're the first one to run in, you don't know where the fire is. It's not under control at all. So you've got that. But yeah, you have maybe have that higher chance of saving books because you're the first one on the scene. And so that is just a really kind of thematic element to that. And you're putting them on this cart, which you put books on a cart and all of the different types of like gear that you can get to take with you um, really work with it. There is um, like a bucket that has water. So you, when you use it, you put out one of the fire cubes that you get. Totally makes sense. Very thematic. Um, I, I love that. Uh, consulting detective, which I mentioned before last week, Gosh, you you feel like you're Holmes. You're chasing down your leads. You're using your deduction. You're sorting through, looking for the details, the things that people are saying, what's missing, what aren't they saying, what's not. I love that. Um, Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. Holy cow. That is, it's wonderful. Like, I always want to play Hermione because I loved her so much in the books. And I get to use her equipment that she has always. And the, the our allies are people that, are characters that would interact normally and they the way they're special things and in order to defeat Voldemort you've got to kill all the horcruxes just like in the books like I just think that's I I love that if if there's an immersive theme to be had dude I am in I am in so my second game turn on is immersive theme yeah I'm surprised you didn't put London on there or brass or because um, it's not an immersive theme. <laughs> it is ugly cards. I, I mean, I love London, immersed. but I don't love London because of the immersive theme. I know. I got it. Oh, okay. So moving away from, from terrible theme, um, I'm going to talk about probably one of my favorite things in games. Eh, I just talk, might have talked about my favorite thing, and that's pressure luck. But I really like this next thing, and that's tracks to manipulate Oh, tracks. I love tracks. Give him some uh, tracks. <laughs> ooh, tracks. Okay, yeah. qu- okay, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, all right. So a couple games that I wanted to talk about that have tracks that I like to manipulate. Ooh. And those games are Orléans. It has quite a few tracks. You're trying to adjust uh, the track at the bottom for w- your knowledge. You're trying to move up on the night track. You're trying to move up on the the farming track. Basically, the whole game is tracks. 
So I really dig it. Uh, Terra Mystica, you're trying to, uh, the tracks on this game are off to the side. It's a little sideboard. You're trying to get all the cults. I think there's three or four cults trying to move them up as high as you can to unlock special abilities. It's kind of irrelevant to the game, but it's a track, so I love it. Uh, the next game is Zolkin. It has three tracks where you're trying to climb these Towers of the God, Gods to get up as high as you can, score goods and points. I love tracks. And the last one is a more recent game. It's called Blitzkrieg. And this game is essentially a tug of war. So everything that you're doing is a track. So you're trying to manipulate tracks into your side to win the battle. Um, so you're going to pull out chits and then move a track. But I have found, thought of one more, and that's Dogs of War. Oh. Yeah. Dogs of War is a track. It has a tug of war, that tug of war track, and I like it a lot. So I like tracks. Even if the game barely has tracks, as long as it has at least one track, I'm in. Dogs of War. One of my favorite track games you didn't mention is Coimbra. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's it's your number, number one, one game. game, you turd. Oh, I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep, that must be really a great turn on for games. Number one game. Don't even know well, it. Well, the thing is, I was looking around the room. And I can't see that shelf because it's to the left. So I was thinking, hmm, outside all of these the games over here is like, I know I'm missing something. <laughs> yeah. So Coimbra as well. It's the the Mac Daddy of all track games. It is. It's really good. I I mean, yeah. I like the tracks. I don't have to have them. My. No, you have to have them. You have to have them. My number one turn on in the game. And this will attract me before anything else. It's like Jason Smith. That's right. It's like the Jason Smith of board games. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> uh. <laughs> to be fair, I was attracted to you second after somebody else. Oh wait, now I gotta edit that out. You might be. You're my immersive theme. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. So, so much sad like to be much like today. blue eyes. That draw me in, which Jason does have, um, is vibrant artwork. Um, I love beautiful artwork. And actually, when I was naming games that I that right away draw me in by the way they look, which makes me sound really shallow now that I think about it, <laughs> I may no, turn I mean, on board game as its look. That's the whole point of artwork is to draw people in, though. That's true. Um, a lot, a, probably a predominant number of the ones that I really love are asian themed games because i feel like when it's an asian themed game the attention that's gone into the artwork is amazing um so for example like yamatai it's an asian themed game yes but the colors are so beautiful on that box oh my gosh as soon as i saw it, i'm like freaking i don't care i've got to play this game it is so beautiful parks the same way i'm like when was the last time you went on a hike katie who knows but man I want that Parks game. Look at that cover. Look at the stuff inside. Oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. Takedo. Oh. Whoa. Like, this, it, the cover is simple. That a lot of white, but that beautiful little picture in the center and the traveling route you take and uh, the, the paintings at Kanagawa. I mean, wow. Like, I just, I'm a sucker for just beautiful artwork. I think that's why everyone, when Scythe first came out, people raved about how pretty Scythe was. And I thought it was one of the ugliest games I'd ever seen, which is saying a lot. Because um, we have some seriously ugly heroes. 
But yeah, like brass. <laughs> right. Um, we didn't have brass at the time. That's true. But what we had Marco Polo though. That's true. <laughs> what turned me off about is the muted colors. Like it's just gray and blah. And another reason why I don't like brass is it's just bland looking. I and I like Dinosaur Island because the bright colors are fun. They they I'm just it's like a moth to a flame. And sometimes again, this will steer me wrong. There are games I repeatedly will go to in the board game store. Every time we're in there, I will pick up the same games because the covers are just so intriguing to me. And Jason keeps going, Katie, you're not going to like that game. That game's going to be too light. Um, like um, T-Dragon Society. It's like, it's too light. I don't think you're going to like it. I'm like, but the artwork is so cute. Look at these little dragons and all the colors. I love it. Or like Princess Jing. I have picked that game up. I don't know how many times. It looks amazing. I've watched videos on it. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen played. But man, every time the artwork makes me think, I need this game. I want this game. Game, you want to go home with me, don't you? But No. If the game came home, I would be disappointed and want to send it packing. It can do the walk of shame to the trade block, to the goodwill, to the half-price books. But, oh, I am a sucker for blue eyes and vibrant artwork. What about Takenoko? Yes, I would say Takenoko also. Again, Asian-themed game. Super cute. I love the colors. Purple's my favorite color. It riffs on that. I love when there's nice black accents too. Like there's something just the aesthetic. I just love really aesthetically pleasing games. Yeah. I mean, I like I like good artwork too, but. Gugong. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that one's nice. So pretty. Even like, and that's got like the egg shaped meeples. They're not supposed to be eggs, but they look like eggs. That tactile component. It's a kabuki mask, I think. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be, but I like the eggs. I just, ah. There's so much, like, it explains so much about the games that I I love or want to love. So, yeah, give us the review of your of your top three turn ons on game. (laughs) And don't be weird about it. Okay, I'll review. Fine. All right. So, number one, designers. You did it. Stop it. Number two, pressure luck. And number three, games with tracks. Uh, I love tracks. And I'm a sucker for tactile components, an immersive theme, and beautiful, vibrant artwork. So those are other things that turn us on to a game, whether or not those desires are fulfilled when we actually play the game. So what kind of things turn you on in a game? Let us know. Um, message us. Email us. Find us on Facebook. Post in the Riveted. Um Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, comment on the YouTube videos. We'd love to hear from you. And I think next week we'll talk about our turn-offs in games. <laughs> I'm just going to take your turn-ons and make them my turn-offs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you would. <sighs> All right. So let's end this really weird episode. As I invite you to tell me your turn-ons, I feel like I'm like some weird, like... Yeah, you're asking for trouble there. I I know. 
Uh, I haven't gotten any really weird comments on any of my videos or anything, so it's cool. I feel like I'm like one of those like telephone operators, like, so what do you like? But I really do want to know. So what do you like in games? <laughs> tracks, yeah, tracks. Quit. <laughs> oh, it's okay when you do it. It is. It's totally different. I don't sound like the way you make it sound. <laughs> you make it sound like like a disturbing Ron Jeremy. Like porno talk. Tracks. Stop. See? It's weird. <laughs> All right. I'm done. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. If you've hung in this long, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Yeah, I wish we had like a sound effect for my eye roll that I could just tell when it's like play. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs>